I have got to conserve my energy this morning. I'm running low, and um, I'm just so thankful for all that God is doing. We've got a good group. I don't know exactly how many getting baptized in the next service. So I only get one go around at it this morning. So you're going to get both barrels and uh, feel sorry for the people who didn't come to the first service this morning, right? Um, but I just, I'm, I'm just so moved by the depth of God's word and what God is saying to us. And um, I'm, I'm just in a really unique season. Just, just God is so sweet what he's doing. And his word is so rich. And he's taking me back to some really fundamental, just profound concepts as we talk about standing in the storm. And we all know we are in tumultuous times. We are, if it's not the impending social security crisis that's coming, it's chip shortage, it's to be a requirement for everybody to have something to be able to travel, to buy, to sell. And hear me, um, brothers and sisters, we are close to the coming of the Lord. And I just, I want to be a faithful pastor. And I know, Pastor Chuck, don't be, no, God's word comforts. Even in the last days, his church will be filled with glory. It won't be filled with cold people who are part of the remnant, who are sold out, who are fired up, prayed up, full of the Holy Ghost, and ready for his return. Can I get a witness? Amen. So as we, we consider this is the third week in this series, and I'm, I am going to get, probably after we come off the fast, I'm going to get back to the This Is That series be, and the reason I've delayed it in this fast, I just feel like we're in kind of a manna season. And the Lord is just speaking. Every Monday, the Lord speaks to me for that Sunday. He won't, doesn't speak to me until that Monday. And I marinate on it all week long. So we're in this for this week and next week. And the week after that, Pastor Carter Conlon will be speaking. And then we're going to get back into this is that. And it's from Acts chapter 2 where Peter said, This that you see happening that seems crazy and odd is exactly that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And we're in a season where this, all the craziness, cancel culture, um, all the craziness, sickness everywhere, rumors of wars everywhere, this that we're seeing is that which Jesus spoke and many others about the last days. But for now, we're in week number three for standing in the storm. How many of you love God's word and are glad that you get to have everything it says you can have? Come on, do you love his word? Come on, we praise you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Hallelujah. So week number one, we talked from Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus, he closed out the Sermon on the Mount and he said that the one who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the flood came up, the tornado winds blew, but his house stood. The one who hears the words only doesn't put them into practice. Like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the storm came, his house did not stand. Last week we talked about Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to revisit there this morning. 
But everybody listen. It's the writer of Hebrews. And he says in those first three verses, let us focus on Jesus. First verse he says, we've got to run this race. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. We've got to run this race with endurance, with perseverance. In the second verse he answers, how do you do that? By looking at Jesus. Setting your eyes, your gaze on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I want to stay there in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to go a little deeper than time would allow last week. Hebrews chapter 11, this is not our text, but I'm setting some things up. I referred to this, how God's word framed the world, and it frames our world. The picture of our life is framed by hearing the word and putting it into practice. Or it's framed, but not a pretty picture, when we hear the word and don't put it into practice. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, everybody say by faith. This whole chapter is the faith chapter. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Everybody look here. God creates not with materials. He creates with sounds, audible sounds. Listen, his voice, the word teaches us that, that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. You listen to someone long enough, you will find out exactly who they are. Because what, what's on the inside comes out through their mouth. You can fake it for a little bit, hold your water, but some t- hold your breath underwater, but at some point you got to come up. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The same for God. What who He is, He speaks. And who He is, through those words, He framed, He made the world originally, and He continues to make it. But now that there are people on the planet, as they hear the word and say, I'll obey that, I'll practice that, their world is framed. Everybody tracking with me? uh Uh-oh, everybody tracking with me? It's not just before, in creation, he said, let there be. And all there was was darkness, chaos, confusion, Genesis 1. And the earth didn't have a choice. You go, I, I don't believe that, you know. Um, that's, I, I Googled that. You can't make light out of nothing, just speaking it. I just, I don't receive that. The world couldn't do that. But now there are people on the planet made in his image, imagers, which is a powerful concept, who go, I'll believe that or I won't believe that. And when we believe it, our world, we begin the recovery, the reconciliation process of why God put us here. Oh, Lord, i got to back up. Holy Spirit just ding, 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 ding. Um, I've taught this many years, but 90% of y'all weren't here last time I taught this. Everybody listen, okay? Why did God even create man and put him here on the earth? I believe the scripture teaches because when, when Satan fell from heaven, why did he get kicked out of heaven? Because he was the worship leader And the worship was so great in heaven, he thought, man, I'm doing a great job here leading the worship for him. I should get a little of the credit. Instead of going, you know what, it's kind of easy to worship that God. It's kind of easy to just stay out of the way, right? 
but he didn't. Pride, which is the root of all sin. And the Bible said, Jesus said it. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Not to Pluto or Mars. To the earth. When God created Adam, God never makes a mistake. And it, it, and it even speaks to the humility of God to let Satan, the angels in heaven have a, a will. They weren't predestined as wind-up angels to go, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty was and is and is to come, holy, holy, holy. They're doing this. Holy, 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 Lord God. And after they could recover themselves from one glimpse of him, had a will even in heaven when Satan pride entered in he fell like lightning to the earth God comes and to reconcile or erase that bad choice that the angel Lucifer made he got sentenced to the earth below God came and created Adam there and made a man in his own image to reconcile and redeem this earth. And we, that's why we're here the same, to drive back the chaos, the confusion. And when we are here going, I receive God's word, I believe it, and I'm going to speak it, I'm an imager. God, we are created in his image and Proverbs 18.21 says that there is the power of life and death in our tongue as well. There's a lot of authority God gives to man. If we hear the word, put it into practice, the power for redemption that flows through us and to others in this world. Now, how many of you are picking up what I'm putting down? Got three of us. Are y'all just sitting there in profound thought? Lord, Lord, help us to get the incredible. We, we bring so many Snickers and Lay's barbecue potato chips for, for meals on Sunday mornings. Let us bring something meaty that's easy to digest that shapes us. Amen? How many of you are ready for that? Okay, so Hebrews chapter 11 starts out by faith, by faith, by faith. And then it mentions Enoch. Noah, by faith, he built an ark. Abraham, by faith, Isaac came. Sarah, by faith, by faith, Isaac was offered up by Abraham. He speaks about Isaac, Jacob, Moses. By faith, the children of... And these, Paul is, or, or the writer of Hebrews, I think it's Paul, but I'm not sure. The writer of Hebrews is recounting all of these great stories that these first century Jewish people, Hebrews, knew all about. He mentions, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. By faith, they marched around the walls of Jericho. And then he says, time would fail me. And he mentions Gideon, Samson, David. And then it says though this, those who through faith subdued kingdoms, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, they were made strong, became valiant in battle, Women received their dead, raised to life again. 
Others were tortured, he says, yes, of chains and imprisonment, stoned. They were sawn in two, slain with sword, tormented, and the world was not worthy of them. So that's all of chapter 11. And then chapter 12 opens up and the writer says that we've got to focus on Jesus. Look what the last two verses of 11, chapter 11 say. It was because of their faith, the whole list I just mentioned, that God was pleased with them. You think? But they did not receive what God had promised. God had planned something better for us. He mentions all of these great Bible stories in the Old Testament. And the ones I just mentioned are the best. And the writer says, all of that by faith? And they would have loved to be alive now. Why? Because the writer says, we get to look into the eyes of Jesus. Chapter 12 opens up in the message, verse 1. Do you see what this means? All these people get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Everybody, Stop those sins that so easily entangle us, is what the other translations say. But right here, the message says, stop doing those little sins that just eat away at who you are. Those little parasites that take your life. Stop it. Then he says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. What story? The story of Jesus. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. Look what this says. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. How many even need a fix this morning, a big drug fix of adrenaline, spiritual adrenaline? Come on. Listen, there's more of y'all need that than raising your hand. How many of you need a fix by the Holy Spirit this morning? And you want it. Come on. Jesus' name. Now, the book of Hebrews, Jewish people, the writer writes the book of Hebrews to encourage those early first century Jewish Christians who were suffering great persecution for their faith in Christ. And many of them were turning back and were considering renouncing their profession in order to return back to the safety of Judaism. And um, the writer writes to that. And the writer exhorts them to hold fast to their faith and press on to spiritual maturity. And that's why you'll see things. He points to Jesus. Chapter 10, he says, hey, in the midst of this storm, this persecution, do not forsake getting together. Even more as we see that day of persecution, you've got to be getting together. Now, so the writer, everybody tracking with me, the writer is addressing the Jewish people who had accepted Jesus, but were enduring persecution and saying, you know what, I got to get back in the crowd. It's hard to hold the line. I got to get back over here. And so we read from chapter 11 and chapter 12. But verse, the first few verses, the writer says this in the very first part of the book, chapter 1. 
The writer says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Okay, so what's the writer saying? Back in the Old Testament days, the prophets spoke for God. And it was optional. And many people were like, ah, that guy's, he's a conspiracist. That guy, he doesn't have enough fries in his Happy Meals. The elevator doesn't go all the way. There's a few, he's a few cards short of it. He walks around naked as one prophet did. They, they were marginalized. And so not everybody received that as the word of God. And the writer is saying, that's how God did it. That's what he did back then. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews says, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. How many of you are thankful that Jesus is the perfect, exact representation? Listen, who is Jesus? The word. Out of the abundance of God's heart, Jesus, the Word. Y'all tracking with me? How many of you are thankful for Jesus? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We love the Word. So here in Hebrews 1, the writer sets the focus on Jesus. In Hebrews 12, where we take our text again, the writer is saying, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these faith people from chapter 11, Let us get rid of all the stuff that so easily distracts us and entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And the way we do that, listen, as we talked about it last week, we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, gazing, keeping our focus on Jesus. Now, three things I want to say this morning. Number one, To stand in the storm that we're living in. To stand in the storm, but not just that. But to be able to live the Christian life the way it's intended for us to live it. We've got to do these three things. Number one, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. The Greek word here for fix means not to just look at something intently, but to turn the eyes away from the other things and fix them on something. My goodness, do we have a lot of things right now to be able to look at Jesus. We've got to choose to look away from other things these days. News, forecasts, dealing with tyrannical rule, greed, all the craziness that you and I are both discerning. Not to mention spiritual leaders that have gone celebrity on us and are stealing the spotlight. They want a little bit of the radiance. And as a spiritual leader, I would say to you, you should hold me accountable. My job is to point people to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So many years, people have gotten their eyes on man. Spiritual leaders fall. If your pastor is not preaching Jesus and pointing people to Jesus, you need a new pastor. I'm going to say it again. If your pastor is not regularly, consistently teaching and preaching about Jesus, you need a new pastor. 
Not getting many amens this morning, but I'm comfortable with it. I don't need them. Y'all can keep them, save them for next week. We might need them next week. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Y'all heard me say what we're talking about this week? We're looking at Jesus, talking about Jesus, singing about Jesus, worshiping Jesus. It's Jesus. That's why we do communion coming out of the shutdown a year and a half ago. God said, make the focus on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't do communion quarterly anymore. Do it every month. Don't tell 18 family stories about you and Candace and your kids and, and mix in a verse or two. Lord said, let my word illustrate itself. And you'll know I don't, I haven't abandoned stories of our family, but the, the meat, I watched my, my alma mater, a Christian conservative university, two chapels in a row, the speaker recently did not mention a single Bible verse. You know, what is happening well, we see what's happening. Focus is on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, when we look at Jesus, you can, you can miss the grandeur of who he is. You got to go back to the Old Testament and understand, wow, how the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. And we have people talking about unhitching ourselves from the Old Testament. It's, it's craziness. God is holy. Amen? Sin kills. Sin separates. It's not like God doesn't want you to have fun, so don't sin. God loves you and knows that sin will kill you. And it separates you from God. And separation from God is not fun. It's a nightmare. And so God said, I got to fix this sin problem that Adam and Eve created. And so there was a sacrificial, listen, we're going to give just a quick overview of the plan of salvation, and all of us need a review of it. It amps up our worship, makes worship more intimate, more intense. God said, okay, I've got to send a priest, Jesus. Priest is the Latin word for bridge builder. There was a chasm, God and man, and Jesus on the cross became that bridge, and he atoned for our sin in the Old Testament. He didn't, but it pointed to what he would do. But we see all of these foreshadowings that are undeniably pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. In Egypt, the blood of the lamb applied to the door when the death angel passed over so that God could miraculously deliver his people, the slaves in Egypt, to get them out. He said, take the blood of a lamb, and put it over your doorpost. And when the death angel passes over, I'm going to get rid of those who are holding you in slavery, in bondage, by taking them out. How many of you know God is serious about sin and his people? He wants you freed. Y'all out there this morning, do you know what it costs God to get us freed? The blood of a lamb. When that death angel passed over, those Egyptians were like, they woke up and all of their oldest sons were gone. Their, their male yeah. livestock gone. Yeah. 
So what'd they say? You people of God, get out of here. And then Pharaoh said, no, he kept changing his mind. We see a picture of Jesus, the blood of the lamb, the Red Sea getting them out. In Exodus, God institutes meaningful worship through the wilderness of how God would temporarily atone for their sin. Listen, there would be a lamb slaughtered morning and evening twice a day to appease God for their sins and then annually to celebrate them coming out of Egypt. The Passover celebration was they had to bring a perfect, spotless, purebred, if you will, lamb without any blemish, and that was to be killed. And the writer in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, listen to this. It says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. In the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus came, God was using the prophets to point to Jesus. Jeremiah 11, 19, Isaiah 53, 7. The prophet said, like a lamb led to the slaughter. It was Jesus. The prophets, hundreds of years said, not saying a word, not defending himself. And that's exactly what happened later when Jesus came. And before Jesus, when he, when he came on the scene in the New Testament, John saw him. In John chapter 1, verse 29, he said, Behold, look at this, check this out. Heads up, everybody. The Lamb, the Lamb of God. That's a title we've heard, the Lamb of God. We sing the Lamb of God. But for years, hundreds of years, the people of God brought their little lamb. and They offered him up. He gave his life. And now here God comes bringing his perfect, spotless, purebred lamb. And this is why John says, behold, the lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. And then Jesus, he has the last supper or the Seder with the disciples on the night before he was betrayed. And it was right before the Passover. He then is, listen, the Romans arranged for him to be crucified. Ironically, coincidentally, how many of you know God is very coincidental? <laughs> Had him crucified on the Passover. The Lamb of God on the Passover becomes the perfect sacrifice. This is why Hebrews chapter 9 says this, verse 11 to 12. But Christ came as the head religious leader of the good things God promised. He made the way for man to go to God. Are y'all? I want you all to listen and read along with me. He was a greater and more perfect tent than the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He was not made by human hands and was not a part of this earth. Christ went into the holiest place of all one time for all people. How many of you are included in the people part? How many of you are a part of all people? He went in one time for all people. He did not take the blood of goats and young cows to give God as a gift in worship. He gave his own blood. By doing this, he bought us with his own blood and made us free from sin forever. So when we say 
we've got to go ahead. If you're going to, we're going to do it. Amen. So John says, behold, the Lamb of God takes away sins miraculously. One time later, just the next day, John's disciples say, hey, you remember that guy um, who said, you said, behold, the Lamb? He's now baptizing people. More than we are. What John say? What every preacher needs to be saying all the time. He must increase. I must de- I mean, you want a big time upgrade increase of Jesus in your life and in our church everywhere. So, oh, God help us. Help every seventh grade boy, ninth grade girl, every one of us who've heard this our whole life to be taken back to the basic plan of salvation. That once and for all, Jesus went in and there are no more lambs, bulls, goats, heifers. He paid the price. The great high priest Jesus has paid the price. And we are free now in Jesus' name. And so may we now, when we look at Jesus, when we set our gaze, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, may we see the word because he is the word. He is the exact representation of what was in God's heart. What is in God's heart? When we study Jesus, may we see the beauty of, I was just reading this week, John chapter 4, you know, where he meets the woman at the well. When you see Jesus, when you, during the storm, fix your eyes on Jesus, when that report, that biopsy comes back, when that pink slip comes, when that pandemic hits and you fix your eyes on Jesus, see the beauty of who he is. When he went by the woman at the well, John chapter 4, verse 4 says, he had to go through Samaria. No, he didn't. He went to Samaria because of who he is. There was a woman who had been married five times, was sleeping with another guy who wouldn't even tell her his name. When we set our eyes on Jesus, may we see not just the Lamb of God, but may we see the beauty of who he is. He's the one who came, who said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. He loved sinners. He hated church people who got religious. How many of you are thankful you're a sinner saved by grace and you're not a churchy, religious person? Come on, somebody. Hold on one second. Everybody stop. Everybody stop it, stop it, stop it. I just had a picture. Last week and this week, you know, when you're, these football teams are in their defenses on and the, and the home team is, has their defense out on the field, and they start doing this. I just got a picture of that, you know. Um, if they can do that, they're going to do it this afternoon. Y'all went crazy a few weeks ago for UGA. I just, as your pastor, I'm going to go. Come on, for Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Woo! Yes, Lord. Man, makes me want to get an athletic. Makes me want to get athletic. Listen, it's about Jesus, about worshiping Jesus, setting our, it's about going. 
We're looking away from all the stuff. Y'all know the stuff. I've mentioned it. Y'all know the stuff. You could, you, you have a list of looking away from that, setting our eyes on Jesus. That's how we're going to make it through this storm. Oh, the truth. What does Jesus do? He conquers death, hell, and the grave. We look to Jesus because death doesn't, he conquered it. He holds the key to it. We look to him because he paid for our sickness. We can be healed because of what he's already done. When we set our, we got to get beyond these little snicker sermons, these little snacks on Sunday mornings, and we got to be fed in a time like this. If these are the last days, if they're not, we're getting closer. We're closer than we were last week. There's prophecies happening. Our nation's slipping. The UN has a diabolical strategy. There is tyranny, a spirit of it trying to rise up. And we're, we're foolish to sit in here and act like nothing's happening. Stuff is happening. So we set our eyes on the one who holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And we won't shrink back. We won't shrink back. We praise your name, Jesus. Your ability to fix your eyes on Jesus will right now determine your emotional health and your spiritual strength. In Jesus' name. Chuck Ramsey said that. If somebody else said it, I'd put their name up there. Somebody else probably said something very similar to it. I may have even heard it before. This is the rhema. Your pastor is seeking God on your behalf. Emotional instability, emotional sicknesses, mental illness is growing like crazy. There are millions of kids going into gender confusion, picking whatever gender they want to be and suicide rates in middle school and elementary school and high school is at an all-time high so we will not be emotionally flimsy we won't let our children grow up in a world that's trying to deprogram them we will set our eyes on jesus and we will say come forth to the next generation we will say rise up church of god we will declare the word of god in this place and we will not Anxiety, anxiety, depression, oppression, generational consequences. We say no to them in the name of Jesus. We set our eyes on the one who canceled every funeral he ever attended. He even canceled his own and turned it into a party. We praise the name of Jesus. We praise his name. Secondly... We've got to learn to listen to Jesus. I talked about this last week. God is still speaking through the power of his spirit. God is not here anymore. The Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's speaking and moving. Just like it was in Genesis 1. Spirit was hovering in chaos and darkness where God likes to work. And the word went into the chaos and darkness. And the Holy Spirit was there and brought light out of it. Holy Spirit's doing the same thing. Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would remind us of the thing. Catch this, okay? Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he will remind you of the things I've told you. When the Spirit comes, he will teach you. and lead. Jesus said this. There are things I'd like to say to you, but you're not ready to receive them. 
Get this. So Jesus is the word. Out of the abundance of God's heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of who God is, Jesus, the word came forth. And there's things that the word couldn't show us when Jesus was here. But Jesus says, after I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll tell you the things that you can't receive right now. This is why the writer said, all those people in Hebrews 11, they'd love to be alive now. Because we have the exact representation of God in Jesus. Now Jesus is gone, and the Holy Spirit here, it's, it's to magnify, remind us of everything Jesus said. Are y'all tracking with me? So when the Holy Spirit speaks, what's he doing? He's revealing to us the things that were in, that's in God's heart that Jesus couldn't reveal because we weren't wired to be able to receive it. I know I'm getting a little bit out there, but anybody tracking with me? Just, if you're tracking with me, hold up your hand. All right, just make sure if you're not that you catch somebody on your road that has their hand up before you go home today and help them explain it to you. Do, do we understand what we're saying now? So now, Holy Spirit here is speaking. This is why John said, I baptize you in water, but Jesus will come and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus. And Jesus, the Word, he said, I don't say anything except for what I hear the Father already saying. I don't do anything except what I hear him telling me to do. That's an imager. That's who we are. That's what we're called to do, to be. So we need the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to hear the voice of God. Y'all got looks on your faces like, yeah, bring it on, Pastor Chuck. Tell me more. I want to hear. I want to learn how to hear God's voice. So to stand in this storm, I went through a litany of things, and I stopped half. I could give you another litany. Even this last night at dinner with you all, God spoke to me about special needs families. I told Candace, y'all thought your trip coming here was for you. Chris, it wasn't. To hear what you all go through, a dear friend of mine, I told Candace last night, I think they made this trip so God could speak to me. God's speaking, and it's shaping. If I try and connect, I'm going to just go out here. No, I'm not. I'll do that, save that for, yeah, I am. No, I'm not. Precious couple. Children, PKs, growing up around ministry. Sweet Vanessa with unique needs created in the image of God as an imager. Churches that kind of lovingly disinvited them because of the inconvenience and what it looks like on cameras. And I said, you're not going to believe this. It's unique. God is sending like a lot of families like yours to our church. Just a couple weeks ago, and I told the story of what happened with sweet Savannah, who very challenged 
can't communicate, but she's trying. She's saying, amen. She really, her parents, she says it at the right times, but they've been asked to leave and go out. Different churches, the last mixer, a big church in town. They ask them, it's not going to work in the sanctuary. TV cameras everywhere. This is the church of Jesus. So here, so look at this. Holy Spirit is speaking to me through y'all's needs about what? Our church, his body. So Holy Spirit is here magnifying Jesus, his body, speaking to me. Are y'all trying? Now, is everybody picking up what I'm putting down? Do you understand the practicality? And you go, Pastor Chuck, you're super sensationalizing that. Our God cannot be super sensationalized. He put a boat in a desert and filled the desert up with water. Are y'all, he, he took another body of water and got a rebellious prophet in a well together. How many of you know our God is supernaturally sensational? Come on, somebody. Praise his name. Praise his name. Woo! Lord Jesus, this is too much fun. Don't you, word, word going out. Word, 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 word. What's happening? Confusion, chaos, Satan. I don't know what to do. I get, get out of here. He can't hear the cadence. We're going. And he's sitting there going. Delay a game. That's what we're doing. It's that practical. No, no. Are y'all out there? What's happening in here matters. What happens in here controls what happens out there. All right. So we got to learn to listen to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, that passage I mentioned. Remember, this is the writer opening up the book of Hebrews. These Jews that are being persecuted going, I just need to get back in line, go back to Judaism. Verse 3, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Listen, sustaining all things by his word, his his powerful word. I'm going to come back to this a minute. Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. Everybody look here. He said everything is sustained by the word of Jesus, who is the word. Who the Holy Spirit comes to remind us of what the word says and who the word is. And then the writer says in God's word, everything is framed and held together by that word. You go, what do you mean by everything? Marriage. It's not Dr. Phil and Oprah. It's not, well, we just have a natural affinity. How many of you that natural affinity wore off about six months after you said, I do? <laughs> How many of you thought you were in love when you got married? And now you are in love because you better be or you go be all messed up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ephesians 5. What does the head of the church say? Love your wife. The word says love your wife like I love the church. Y'all tracking with me? Families fall apart. Marriages fall apart. The word sustains education. 
We take the Ten Commandments, the word, out of the courthouse. How's that working out for you? Natural laws. When God spoke, everything is held together, is sustained by the word of God. Everybody tracking? So last week, I'm taking us back to last week. This is where I really want us to drill down on how do you survive a storm? How do you deal with that biopsy, that rebellious child, that pandemic, that 401k shrinking, that I'm going to retire about time Social Security runs out. How do you, how do you deal with that? Remember, they're in a storm, the disciples, and they see... God coming near them in the Jesus. And they think he's a ghost, remember? And sometimes the way God moves in our life, it's scary. That's why they, that's, a, that's not, imagine. One time the religious people called Jesus a wine, an alcoholic, a glutton, because he ate with sinners. He's very, in the garden, they thought he was the gardener. This is a humble God. And he comes out and Peter says, when Jesus comes out in the storm, they say, ooh, it's a ghost. He goes, no, it's not. It's me. Don't be afraid. And Peter says, I want to believe that word, but if it is you, tell me to come. And you all know we talked about that last week. Jesus said one word, come. And that became the platform, listen to me, that word became the platform in the water, in the storm, for Peter to get closer to Jesus. When we learn to listen to him, even when it's scary the way he's moving in our life, we can walk on what Audio Adrenaline said, if we keep our eyes on Jesus. We can walk on water. Are y'all out there? I have a file here as I read through the Bible every year that when I see, oh, wow, that word, hear me, created what it said. That word sustained it. Just this week, two places. I have like 11 places in my reading this week in my file. One was in John chapter 4, verse 49 through 43. Listen, says there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee and Judea, he went to Jesus and begged him, come and heal my son. He's close to dying. Verse 49, the royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Look what verse 50 said. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Wait a minute. The word became the miracle. He said, go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. How many of you like to be just like that man right there? Take him at his word and do what he just told me to do. While he was still on the way, a servant met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And the man said, oh my goodness. Oh, how coincidental. That is amazing. <laughs> Then the father realized that this was the exact time. Somebody say exact. Remember, he's the exact representation. It was the exact time which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. 
Another one, John chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. John 5, verse 5. There's a man, 38 years invalid, had never walked. When Jesus saw him lying there, he asked him a very pertinent question. Pertinent question. He said, do you want to get well? That's a good question. Not everybody that's sick wants to get well. They think if they get enough attention, that will heal them of their sickness. And they'd rather trade that for the ghost that's coming near to them. Verse 7, sir, the invalid replied, when the water is stirred, I, nobody, I don't, I'm poor old me, victim. I can't get out there. Jesus said, I didn't ask you if you could get out there when the water is stirred. I asked you, do you want to get whole? Verse 8, Jesus didn't even respond to his statement. Verse 8 says, then Jesus said to him, look at this, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And look what it says. He picked up his mat and walked. I mean, that's, you want to get the word that clear. Do you think if he hadn't gotten up, taken up his mat, he would have been made whole? He had to obey the word. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down this morning? So this is why we want to hear what God is saying. I want to, one more. One more. Now, if you don't beg me, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. John 5, verse 25. A time is coming and has now come, Jesus said, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. How many of you want to hear the voice of the Son of God? Come on. Look, how many of you don't want a happy preacher up here winning friends and influencing people and building a cute little church in the suburbs? How many of you want the word, the rhema, what God is saying right now in this hour? Then we will live. Come on, somebody. Then we will live. Thirdly and lastly, let us learn from Jesus. This, please dial in, okay? We want to set our gaze on Jesus, nothing profound. We want to learn to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Because what's in God's heart will be manifested in our life. Our house will stand when the storm comes because we've heard the word and put it into practice. Number three, let us learn from Jesus. Hear me, what do, you, what do I mean by that? I mean, and we're going to break this down in the next five minutes. This is profound. Please, brothers and sisters, you've got to learn to do hard things so that God can accomplish his will and you will experience supernatural things in your life do hard things so that he can do the impossible things for you it's called delayed gratification hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 look what it says for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of god that cross He didn't want to go. That fleshly side of him, he did not want to go. But he said, Father, not my will, yours be done. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And now he is fulfilling Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the promise, the prophetic promise in the fall, what Jesus would do. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day he will come and take us back again to be with him. So listen, Jesus endured the cross. We're talking about 
Let us learn from Jesus. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He went through as the son of God, the shame. He was resurrected. Now see the right hand of God. You do hard things, obedience things. And you go, Pastor Chuck, please listen, brothers and sisters, young ones. But obedience is so hard. Try disobedience. How many of you found out? That's even more harder. That's the most hardest thing you could ever do. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. That's what disobedience does. Try obedience. Do the hard thing. Like what? Oh, listen. Learn to not, well, let me, let me say it this way. Don't give in to your flesh. Walk in the spirit. Do you know what the greatest need in the modern church is? Trust. Trusting God. I didn't get this out of a book. If we trusted him, we would believe this more and obey it more. Years ago, Henry Blackaby in the Experiencing God study said, we have a love problem. We don't love enough, so we don't trust enough. And because we don't love or trust, we don't obey enough. And because we don't obey, we don't experience God. We do the hard things. How many of you love God? But we need a little more trust. How many of you, just be honest. I love him. I love his word, but there are times it's Peter going, walking on that. Trust. There, I see and feel the power of the Holy Spirit in this room right now. I'm, I'm hitting on, God is hitting on a nerve. In this hour, some of you trust the weatherman more than you trust this. Some of you trust Dr. So-and-so. Some of you trust your news source more than you trust this. We have a trust problem. We've got to learn from him. I'm going to say it. We're not stewards well because we don't trust well. And because we don't honor God with our first fruits, we're stuck having to rebuke the devourer. And there's many battles, there's many demonic strongholds that some of us are fighting that you are not equipped to fight. That's the Lord's battle. Some of us even are dealing with issues of our physical and mental, emotional well-being because Psalm 107, verse 20 says, God says, I sent my word, Jesus, what's in my heart, I sent it. Holy Spirit confirms it. And I healed your diseases. But because we have a trust problem, we have an obedience problem, and we're not willing to do the hard thing, we don't get the impossible thing, the impossible need met. <clears throat> People ask, I'm going to close right here. People ask me all the time, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so dehydrated. People ask me all the time, Pastor Chuck, what's it, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And I know it can be a, somebody explain that to me. What does that mean? It's this. 
do the hard thing that your flesh does not want to do. But the spirit in you, as you feed on this manna, wants to do. You're feeding the flesh man or the spirit man. Stop feeding the flesh man. We feed him all kinds of good things, but not God things. Feed your spirit man and you'll be able to not gratify the fleshly desires, but to gratify the spirit desires. Do the hard things. God speak to us in this room right now. This isn't an easy message. This isn't like Christianity Light or Gospel 101. But this is how we're going to stand in the storm. Everybody look at me. I'm going to do everything I can to help every new believer get prepared to prosper in the last days. I'm going to do everything I can in teaching God's word and all of us in our programming, teaching God's word, exalting Jesus to help people, the young believer, the eighth grade boy grow in his discipleship so that he can stand when he gets to college should the Lord tarry. We're going to raise up an army of people in this church who love God's word and have not been fed spiritual snickers for the last 10 years, but they've been fed filet mignon the best we can so that we can be the men and women of God and we can be willing to do the hard things to see the supernatural things, to do the fast, to see the heavens opened, do the hard things to see the supernatural, impossible, miraculous things. I'm looking at some of you, things you're facing. God's calling you. What would you say today? God's speaking to you. You know what? Do the hard thing that my flesh doesn't want to do. So I can open the door for God to do the miraculous thing that he promised in his word he will do. Endure the cross for the joy that's set before you. Closing with these three things. So how can I do it in this day? What you've just told me, three things. You need to start the day with a commitment to put your relationship with God first. Start with a good focus. Number two, get rid of relationships and things that force you to focus on the wrong stuff. Get rid of people and things that force you to focus on the wrong stuff. And then lastly, embrace the idea that your ability to focus on Jesus will determine whether you survive this storm or not. Y'all down with that? Down with that? Some of y'all praying about it? Get back to me in the next 20 seconds. How many of you are down with that? Come on, let's stand up. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Father. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. The word of God, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In Jesus' name, if you're here this morning and the Lord is speaking to you about something, doing a hard thing, stepping out in obedience, in trust, that God's word is going to hold you up in the storm. If God's speaking to you about doing something, I want you to slip up your hand just as a commitment that you're saying, I hear it, and if God helps me, I'm going to do that thing to see the heavens. Oh, come on, hold him up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, Father, over every life, we pray right now, Lord, for your wholeness, the ministry of your word. I pray for the profound truth of your kingdom to be released in these lives, in these marriages, in these families, in this church. I pray, Father, 
where there is sickness. Come on now, pray with me. Don't, don't leave me just yet. Pray with me in faith. Where there is a need for physical healing, we pray, Lord, for a miracle in the name of Jesus. Because we set our gaze on the one who received stripes on his back. for our, We look to the one who, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray, Lord, over mental, emotional, physical issues. In the name of Jesus, let your people be at peace and rest, clothed in righteousness. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, fill our hearts with gratitude. Fill our hearts with peace. May we be light bearers in this world. May we be salty believers that everywhere we go, Lord, we spread the aroma of Christ. In Jesus' name. Now, but would you, if you're comfortable with this, everybody, I want you to just either put your hands out or just put them up just like this. And repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose to not look at everything else. I choose to look at you. The storm is all around, but I will look at you and I will stand in your name. Come on. And for your glory, in Jesus' name. You believe that? Come on, declare it to be true right now in the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I speak God's peace, His word into every situation in this hour. In the name of Jesus. the name of Jesus. As we leave, we're excited. We're going to be baptizing a bunch of people next service but I just want to say over you may the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious unto you may he lift his countenance upon you and may he give you peace in this hour in this day you receive it say it come on in Jesus name God bless you all have a great afternoon